Blog Talk Radio. This is the Back Porch Writer Podcast, the show for writers, about writers, and writing. It's live, fun, and informative. Each week, I chat with writers, editors, and industry pros to give you and me a heads up about this whole new awesome publishing world. Back Porch Writer is about creating the life that you want through writing and publishing. Are you ready to tap submit? Let's explore the possibilities together. Welcome to Back Porch Writer. Welcome to Back Porch Writer, the show for writers, about writers, and writing. I'm your host, Corey Miller, and today is August 16th, 2016, and it is raining. I say cats and dogs, but you know, that's kind of trite. Actually, I just said it anyway. Oh, okay. You know, I couldn't help it. So the storms start rolling in in the wee hours of the morning here, and they're kind of coming and going and coming and going. And what that means for the show is that there might be some blips here and there, and hopefully not too disruptive. If they are, then we will end this show early, and if it's really bad, I'll probably just delete the whole thing and you won't be able to listen to it, but hopefully that won't happen. Um, but there's thunder and there's some other stuff happening in my, in my area that could be a little bit disruptive, so I just wanted to give you a heads up about that right now. Um, my guest today is Jin Akubo, and he has been on the show before, but this time we're going to talk about fantasy and romance and, and how those two things collide, because he writes both, and I thought that'd be an interesting discussion. And we're also going to talk about what it's like for an author when they set up some goals to accomplish in a certain period of time, and then they don't actually meet those goals, and how you handle that sort of stuff and, and what you can do about it. So we're going to chat about that. So we're going to get real about what that sort of stuff feels like because, honestly, it's not that much fun. I, I don't I don't like that. <laughs> but before I do that, before I let him come on, I want to give a couple shout-outs to some people who have been really awesome over on Twitter. And they, they're so great because they retweet my stuff all the time. And I, I have a hard time getting back on Twitter and, and thanking everybody and getting everybody's name out there. And so I'm going to do it right now with a few people. So first of all, um, at Readers Book News, at Fan Perks, at Joshua Ben Briscoe, at Keithy D6, Eugenio ben, oh, Benavid. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm probably not saying that correctly. Stella Marie Alday and Rochelle's Reviews, thank you so much for retweeting my information about Hush, my book. I um, have been using Reader's Gazette, and I, I'm loving that. They, they retweet my stuff all the time, and then a bunch of other people do, and it just is really helpful, and I appreciate that. So thank you so much for retweeting information about my work. And I want to give another shout-out to... Karen B. Will, at Karen B. Will, thank you so much for retweeting about Dante, my children's book. I appreciate that a lot. And some other people retweeted about Dante. Uh, Paul, Paula Lapido, oh, I hope I said that right. Bad 57 Reader's Book News, thank you again. Uh, Eve Paladin, Sunset Sky 52, at Mark Herring, thank you very much for retweeting things about Dante my, as I said, children's book, and OK Kinderhook. Thank you for retweeting about Dante. It is definitely appreciated. And if I missed anyone, I am sorry. Um, I know there's some, some of you are sharing. Um, oh, here's some people who shared about Deadly Sins, uh, Complete, Gilari Books, and Karen B. Will. Thank you again for tweeting about Deadly Sins. So that's what I'm going to do from now on. I'm just going to give everybody a shout-out here on the show and say thank you for supporting my efforts as an author. I really appreciate it. 
So let's get Jen back onto the show before we have any glitches that might mess things up for us. Let's let's get him on here. Jen, welcome back, Porch Writer. Hello, Corey. Um, great to be back. Yeah, so um, I said I wanted to talk about fantasy and romance because you write both. And, you know, fantasy, of course, can have romance in it. We all know that. I mean, Star yeah. Wars, Star Trek, lots of places do and all that. But what's it like for you writing fantasy and romance? Well, I think they're mutually exclusive, but they need each other to a sense, like you said, with Star Wars. Um, when I write my romance, I try to make it as much of romance as I can. On the other hand, when I write fantasy, I tend to not want to put the romance in until it's needed for the story. Um, basically, I write the I write the fantasy aspect of it, and of of course, if you if you write one aspect of a character only, you're not going to get a full, well-rounded character. So you need to add that romantic aspect because as human beings, we tend to not just be one version of ourselves. We tend to absorb every kind from our emotional all the way to our mental, and that's where the romance comes into my fantasy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it would be really strange, right, if you wrote a character that was completely devoid of any of that stuff. You'd be like, that's just oh, yeah. not very real. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd think there's something wrong with them. I mean, you would just think there's something wrong with that that person or, or whatever. That's kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. funny. So why why are you writing both romance and fantasy? What What attracts you to one versus the other? Well, I think with the fantasy um, – well, let's be let's be honest here. I write romance, and I've written romance the longest. Um, I've been a hopeless romantic since I, as far back as I can remember. Um, the fantasy aspect happened when I took a, a short story that I wrote, which was just a long rant. Um, it's one of those, you know, like just gotta write something and just get it on paper and write whatever you can just so you don't lose your writing ability. And I wrote this long diatribe. I'm talking about a 150-page rant. And I think, it was, I think it was a total of like seven or eight paragraphs only. <laughs> um, <laughs> and when I went back through it, I was like, I can salvage m- most of this. And then I salvaged a lot, and it was, it was a dark romance. I was like, oh, but it's a dark romance, but for some reason, and I don't know what I, I, I was going on lack of sleep, and this is something that I kicked out in, I think, a matter of, of weeks, and I was very, very sleep-deprived, and I looked through, and I was like, wait a minute, where did, the, where, where did my characters go when I got about halfway through, and I go, suddenly there's this mystical life tree, and there's this, all this fantasy aspect of it, <laughs> and that's when I started to twist it into a fantasy, and I got into this really nice dark urban fantasy and that's what I and I didn't know it was a dark urban fantasy until earlier this year when my friend um Angela Chrysler um she said wait a minute what you wrote here is an urban fantasy it's not just fantasy and I didn't even know that 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 lets you, that lets you know exactly how much about fantasy writing that I actually know <laughs> is that I didn't even know I was writing in in urban fantasy I just thought I was dark fantasy Uh-huh and what is the name of that? Um, my my fantasy series. It's an actual series. It's called the Amberlight series. 
Um, I released it before, but um, lost the rights to a publisher, and I just got the rights back, and I'm re-releasing it under my own brand, under myself. Um, and the first one of the series is called Memories. The second book in the series is called Brotherhood, and the third one is is called Cold Love. Um, and basically, um, the here's where I got caught up this this summer. Um, I re- I released the first one with no without a hitch. This was back in June. I mean, everything went smoothly, and it was out the door. Um, I did the cover for Brotherhood, and then. I planned to release it in July, and then that got pushed back to August. And just I've been so busy and caught up with other issues in my personal life that I haven't met the goal. Like, I have the book on my computer, I have the cover on my computer, and I just haven't been able to get it out the door. Um, I haven't met that deadline for myself. And with Cold Love, my original plan was to have it out the door in November, but I, you know, if if everything goes smoothly, I'll still be able to meet meet that deadline. But I have to get Brotherhood out the door uh, in August for anything to be able to be on schedule. <laughs> mm-hmm. So w- since you brought that up, what's it like for you when you set a goal and then you don't meet that goal? Uh, it depends on why I didn't meet the goal. Um, we all have issues with our own personal life, and if it's something out of my hand, uh, something that I could I cannot control for the life of me, you know, um, then I tend to fume about it for a couple of hours, and then have a drink and get back on the horse and go. But if it was something that I could control, where I I I either procrastinated or I kept saying tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Things like that tend to kill the project that I'm working on, and I'll put it on the shelf for upwards of six months to a year just because there had to be a reason why I didn't want to get it out in time. And I'm I'm kind of lucky this year that I haven't had many projects that have been my choice to put on the shelf. A lot of it has just been a lot of personal stuff that just came crashing in, crashing in all at once, and... With that being said, I should once everything gets cleared up, I should be able to get right back on the horse and pump out as quickly as possible um, everything that I've been working on so that I can get back on track. Um, I, th- I know for some people, when they get off track, they tend to implode. And I used to be that way. I used to implode a lot when I was like, oh, no, shit, I... I I don't I don't know what I'm doing. Oh no, I'm behind. I'm behind. I'm behind. And I found that a lot of that worry for me in the past let me put out subpar material, and I just can't allow myself to do that anymore. So when I get behind, and it was my choice to get behind, I I tend to look carefully what I what it was that put me behind, and then I will shelve a project. But when it wasn't my choice, then I look into the project and see how I can get it out as top quality as possible and as soon as possible. And that's the only way you can go is just keep moving forward. Mm-hmm, 
I think it's a really good that you point out that there's a difference between things you can control that stop you and then the things that you can't control that stop you. Yeah. That's a really valid point. Yeah. I I read an article recently about procrastination that was really good and the bottom line and it was from a psychology today um mm. Uh, thing. Anyway, but it was about procrastination and the bottom line, the guy is an expert in it and he's like, you know, it just comes down to it's an excuse when you procrastinate. You're just making an excuse. And I know that. I do it. I used to be the queen of procrastination. (laughs) Yeah. I used to be really good at it. Um, And I'm actually still really good at it. I have some stuff I should be doing and there's a computer across from me right now and I'm supposed to open that computer and do some QuickBooks data entry stuff. I hate doing QuickBooks (laughs) <laughs> I actually hate it. And so it's just sitting there in front of me because I figure it's a visual prompt now. So I'm, I see yeah. it and I start to feel guilty. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And then I'll do it, right? <laughs> so yeah. I need a visual reminder. So I figure by Thursday I might be sitting in front of that computer doing the QuickBooks stuff that I'm supposed to get done. Um, but it, it's tough. The procrastination stuff can be really tough to get around. Um, yeah. but except for me, it's if I put some visual cues out, then that sort of helps me feel the guilt and get it done. Um, oh, yeah. Now, you, the, the, the books that you have out that are coming out, you know, Memories and then Brothers and what's the overall story? Oh, it's a beautiful story. I have to say that right now. I have to lay this out right now that it is I, – I, I want to be cocky about this, uh, but I don't want to sound like, a, like an a-hole, but I'm going I'm to be cocky about it. Um, <laughs> I, I basically – I. In in my brain, I'm thinking Tolkien slash Harry Potter for adults kind of dark fantasy world. Um, what you have is you have um, and like most of my most of my novels, my main protagonist is a female. Um, even though the first book, Memories, does not start with her at all, you don't even meet her until about halfway through the book. Um, what it is is this gentleman who is living in a rat hole apartment. Um, he's been there for a long time. It, everything's accumulated, and he decides to clear up his life and move on with it. He has amnesia. He doesn't remember who he was. He doesn't remember what he was. All he knows is that he's obsessed with this one picture of a of a set of eyes, um, the rest of the portrait itself being burned burned up. So all he has left is these eyes, and he's obsessed with it, and he's obsessed with this little teapot that he keeps cleaning. He goes across the street to the 7-Eleven, and this all takes place in Tokyo. He goes up across the street to the 7-Eleven, and he meets this girl, and this is about a, a, a third of the way to uh, almost halfway through the book. Um, later on, you find out that she and him had this past together, and they get pulled, just like Harry Potter got a, a letter to go, come to Hogwarts. Well, in this story... Um, she just reconnected with this man who was her love, and suddenly he's kidnapped. She has no idea what's going on. She's thrown into this magical world where there's there's wizards, there's witches, there's vampires, there's werewolves, there's everything, right? Oh wow! And it's and it's right <laughs> there. It's not even it's not even well hidden. It's just people just choose not to see it. Um, and she she finds this old old woman who's trying to train her. They're, they're tra- they traverse most of Japan trying to get him back. Um, and we learn, we, and this is, this is memories, and then you get to brotherhood, and I, I want to get that out there as soon as possible. You get to brotherhood and you find out that, in, in brotherhood you find out that the world is actually broken up into three factions. 
you have the people who are um, for nature and their druidic-style magic and keeping the balance of nature and humanity and everything. Then you have the brotherhood who are all dark magic, and they basically want to pollute and destroy the environment. You know, they, they'd be happy to pave the whole world in a city and leave it at, leave it at that. And you get the dichotomy that, like a pendulum, every 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 so often the pendulum swings one way, and that faction gets control of basically how the world is going to go. And you get you get uh, plots within plots of people trying to subvert that, subvert the balance. You get people who want to take control of both groups. Um, you get these, these couple where her name is Masumi and she's trying to get back to Mark, um, trying to get him back because that's her love. And then you get this other other girl called Isuzu who's for the Brotherhood and she's fallen in love with Mark. So by the end of Brotherhood, um, you get that Isuzu's in love with Mark, Mark's in love with Isuzu, Masumi's in love with Mark, Mark's in love with Masumi, and then when you get to Cold Love, which is the final, the, the final in the series, you get a nice love triangle, and it's going to come up to this big, um, huge scene at the end where if Mark and Masumi stand for the ceremony together, the light side's going to win. If Isuzu and... Mark stand together for the ceremony, the dark side's going to win. But what do you do when all three stand for the ceremony because all three are in love with each other? So I don't know. <laughs> and to be honest, I don't know how my, my series is going to end. Wow, that's crazy. Are you still there? I'm still here. I'm still here. Yeah, and it's one of those, it's one of those stories that basically – I. I've put so much into it, and I'm. It's like it keeps growing in my head. And right now, like cold love, I have another four, five chapters before I I start wrapping it up. So I'm still working my way to the end. Um, Brotherhood ties off very nicely um, out of Japan. Now the the good thing about my series here is that it starts in Japan. It starts in Tokyo, Japan. And you get you get to visit northern Japan, you get to visit southern Japan, and then by brother by brotherhood you get to see more of the Japanese nature. And at the end of brotherhood and at the start of cold, cold love, now we're in Alaska. And from cold love we're gonna we work our way through Alaska, through the U.S., through Latin America, and down to South America in the rainforest. So it's a world-encompassing story. Hello? Hello? Did I lose you? Hello? Hello?
Hello? Oh, I Hello? am back. I got completely disconnected. <laughs> I, it's <laughs> my, all right. My I didn't, computer. I, I, Hello? My Hello? computer went completely dead. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, wow. all those who are listening, sorry that, that I did warn you that could happen. It's never yeah. happened before in like three years that I've been doing the show, but it happened just now. So, this storm, like I said, has been really weird. Um, but what did you do while I was gone, Jen? <laughs> Um, I I talked about how the story runs all the way up through Japan, through northern Japan, Hokkaido, through central Japan, and book two, you get through the the picturesque views of the mounts of Japan. But when you get to book three, Cold Love, we we start off in Alaska, and we work from our way from Alaska all the way down through the continental U.S., Mexico, and the story is going to end in Brazil. So oh, wow. it's world-encompassing. Okay. Oh, wow. All right. Now, I had a question before I got um, totally <laughs> lost my computer, and now I'm trying to think of what my question was going to be. Oh, I know what it was. It was, you know, you've got all this going on. You've got this three-book series yeah. and you know, these characters and these arcs and the subplots and all that. How do you yeah. keep track of, of all of that? Do you use um, any particular software? No, I, 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 I remember it. <laughs> Um, I tr- I've tried I've tried um, memos I've tried notebooks I've tried post-its I've even tried um, typing you know outlines on my computer none of it ever works for me um, what works for me is that I know my story I know where I am and I when I sit on the computer I write the next chapter and I know I know it sounds really really cocky and it sounds really really like I'm super writer but I'm not um, unlike people who unlike people who plan out their story and they can write continuously five six thousand words per sit per sitting I don't um, I have a set writing time hello are you still there mm-hmm okay okay um, I have a set I have a set writing time <laughs> Um, I write on my Tuesday, I write on my Thursday, my Friday morning. Um, I never write on the weekends. I spend that time with my family. But when I sit down on my writing time, I will crank out 5,000 to 10,000 words um, just because, you know, that's when I feel I want to write and that's where I pick up my story from where it goes. Um, And, of course, the editing is where my story comes together. My story is never together until I get to the editing. And the reason is because I write in blocks, and then I figure out where the blocks are going to go at the end. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing, though, because I think when you're writing, like I write a series, and mm. if I didn't keep a couple notes here and there, I would completely mm. lose track of some little detail, you know, it'd be like, well, Murphy's eye color was green in this book, and it's brown in this. Does it do his eyes change mm. color? <laughs> you know, I mean, I've got to, well, I've got to keep track of some of that stuff. Well, I I do go back to book one and book two um, just to make sure I have the the names correctly. For example, one of my main evil wi- wizards, his name is Ormagnius. <laughs> now try spelling that. <laughs> 
and then and then try spelling that when you're when you're in book three and you've already you're already you know fifty thousand words into the into the thing and you're like oh what, how did I spell his name oh and you have to go back. <laughs> <laughs> See, but that's why I keep sort of a list of those things so that I remember because that has happened to me. Um, where I had a character and I kept spelling his name differently. I'm like, I don't think that's how I spelled it last time, and I have to go look. <laughs> well, yeah, and and then um, the hardest part for me is that when I write the first draft, um, when I do a magical spell and I write the first draft, what I do is I I change the color of the font to red, oh. and I and I put spell S P E L O. That's it. Because when I go back to do the second draft, what I do is all my magical spells in my my series are when when they when the incantation is said, I'm using actually Polish. So, okay. so it's a I'm because the Polish language just looks so magical to me. So I'm using Polish to to basically for all the spells. And what I do is I'll type into my translator and I'll sit there and go, I want the light to turn on kind of thing, right? And said, turn on the lights. And then look at how, look at how it looks in Polish, and then I'll remove some of the words that I, I feel are too much, and then, bam, I have my spell. <laughs> That's really creative, though. That's cool. I might have to borrow that idea if I ever start doing any spell <laughs> stuff. <laughs> um, the like cool thing idea. is, though, um, I have a I have a druidic scene in Brotherhood, um, and this was Brotherhood. I sent it to this guy in um, the UK, and he he read Brotherhood, and, he, and this guy was a I I didn't even know they existed. He was actually a, an actual druid, druid, and he goes, "You got the ceremonies correct for." Because I went, I went through Wikipedia and I went through old folklore mm-hmm. to get the druid, the way the druids um, perform certain rituals, and I wanted because there's a whole druid scene, um, and I wanted that whole feel to it. And I and he goes, no, you 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 nailed the what you were trying to do here very very well. So I was very happy well, about that. That's a pretty good compliment. That's really good. Oh, yeah. So Jen, we're quickly we're running out of time. Um, thank you for being so patient through this episode with the blips and things like that. I, I was worried it would happen, and there yeah. it was. But I can't wait to listen to this later and see what you talked about while I was gone. <laughs> no problem. Oh, I, I, I do have one shout-out. Um, okay. August, August 20th, um, Go Indie Now, um, but with Joe Compton, I will be hosting a panel discussion um, on book covers. So you guys can find it on Go Indie Now um, on the the YouTube, Go Indie Now with Joe Compton. Joe is J-O-E, Compton is C-O-M-P-T-O-N, and it's GoIndieNow.com. Um, I will be hosting the panel, and it's going to be a nice discussion. I think we have an actual book cover designer who's joining the panel, and we have a couple of other indie authors who are going to be talking about the importance of book covers and what you need to know if you're going to be designing your own book cover versus how much is a good price to pay if you if you have limited funds for book covers. Awesome. That sounds great. Very, very cool. So people check that out. And uh, you can check out Jin's website. It's jinakubo.com. Dot com. J-I-N-O-K-U-B-O. Right? Yes. Yeah. Dot com. 
All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it. No, thank you. It, it was a blast for me as well. All right. You have a good day. <laughs> you too. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, thanks, everybody, for joining me here for Back Porch Rider. I apologize again for the, the little blip there, but, you know, can't control the weather. It's one of those things that I have no control over. It'd be cool. That'd be a neat superpower. That could be like Storm with the long hair. and the, Yeah, that'd be cool. I, I could get behind that and that cool outfit. Where, anyway, I digress. I hope you enjoyed this and got some decent information out of it. Remember to check out Go Indie Now with uh, Joe Compton and Jin hosting that uh, cover design uh, panel. That'll be really awesome. I'll check that out too. Thanks for joining me. Until next time, pull up the chair, sit this bell, and write. Thanks for listening to Back Porch Writer. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe via iTunes so people just like you can find the show. If you've got comments, questions, or want to be a guest, visit BackPorchWriter.com for details. I'm your host, Corey Miller. Until next time, pull the chair, sit this bell, and write.